keep on loving this technology. Keep on loving all these little easy <laughs> trends and stuff that an app for this and an app for that. And so they've apped us all out of jobs. That's what's, that's what's happening. <laughs> Before they get in your What's up, what's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery, and it is our season finale. It's the last episode of the year. Every year, we take some time off to recharge and just honestly get more creative to come back next season, just more lit, more energy, more all the things MoCo. So this is our season finale, and today we have a legendary guest, Gotham Chopra, coming on. And if you don't know, he's one of the co-founders of Religion of Sports. He has his own book coming out that we're going to talk about and then the crew we're going to have a moco newsroom to end it out and talk about all the things going on right now so you guys i thank you thank you thank you for rocking with us all season we got a good one let's go so gotham has a book coming out it's called religion of sports navigating the trials of life through the games we love and it made me think about navigating life through the games that we love. Like, for instance, y'all know the game I love is basketball, but I actually love a lot of sports. Like, I think I love basketball. I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to basketball. I gave pretty much, I would say, at this point, my birthday was this week. I just turned 37. So of the 37 years that I have been on this earth, I would say that basketball has taken up at least 25 to 27 of those years. I mean, I started playing basketball around 10. So I would say so for majority of my entire life, basketball has been my life. And so when you think about religion of sports and people do take sports as a religion, you can almost see it in a sense of how sports is, how sports just I don't know. You have to really believe. I would say the thing that all athletes know, if you've made it to a certain point in life, like that 2% that we talk about, if you've made it and made it means a lot of different things to a lot of people, you might've made your basketball team and then you're like, wow, I made it. But one thing you have to have in sports and religion is faith. I think that that's probably the thing that I may have the most of and faith, like, you know, everybody that goes to church, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So when you're practicing, when you're working out, when you're by yourself, you have to have faith. Like there's nobody else that can believe that shot to go in for you. You got to have to have faith that the practice that you put in, the work that you put in, that everything you put in, you have to have faith that it's going to pay off. Honestly, even being an athlete, you just have to have so much faith because think about it. I talked about the 2%, right? Only 2% of athletes go pro. But then you really have that same small percentage of athletes that go from high school to college sports. So at every turn, it just gets smaller and smaller of a funnel to make it to the next level. When you're working out, when you're in the gym, you know how people say, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. When you're in those moments, you're working out with the faith that this workout is going to take you to the next destination, the next level, that college level, the pro level the all-star level, the all-American level, like that is faith. Everybody that has religion knows that you have to have faith. So I get it. You know, religion of sports, sports is a religion. If you come from a sports family like me, we've talked about it here on the show. If you come from sports families, you understand that, look, Sunday we went to church at my house. Sunday we went to church and Honestly, when I was younger, I couldn't wait for church to be finished. I'm like, yes, pastor, let's go. Because I was trying to go to my game. We had bitty ball games on Sunday, so I couldn't go to my game until church was finished. And sometimes they overlapped and I'm late to my game. That's when religion and sports collided for me. But religion of sports, faith, you know, even during this holiday season, you know, we're going to talk about it in our MoCo newsroom, but there's a lot of layoffs going on. There's a lot of people struggling financially. That's tough. You have to have faith that it's going to get better. And that's tough when you're in a situation that is not great. Again, everything, I sports playing everything, but it's like that in sports too. You could be in the midst of the worst shooting slump of your life, 
But you got to believe that that next shot's going in or that shooting slump is going to continue. You have to have that faith because if you keep on thinking you're going to miss it, there's nobody else that's going to be able to make it for you. I tell my son this all the time. Like, I can't want it for you. Like, I want it for you, but I can't want it more than you. I can't. My want it for you is not going to do anything for you. You know, you got to want it just as much as I want it for you. And so that's just faith. That's just sports. That's just it's all of those. And then, you know, some people, they say that you got to put the work in when it comes to religion. You got to put the work in when it comes to sports. And so I don't know, for me, religion and sports are a big part of my life. So religion of sports, it just made a lot of sense to me when you think about it. You know, when you just think about the things that you want, where you are right now, you know, Drake has a line somewhere between I want it and I got it. When you're in that somewhere in between, you got to have faith. You want to make it to that next financial plateau. You got to have faith, but you also got to put in the work. There's a lot of us, too, that we got the faith. We got the want to, but we ain't putting in that work. You got to, like, I'm a workaholic. I, I apologize to my wife all the time. I'm apologize right now to you, baby, Serena. I'm a workaholic. Blame sports. I'm 5'6 and made it to the WNBA. I'm 5'6 from West Virginia and made it to the WNBA off a of straight faith and work ethic, period. There's nothing else that got me there. There is literally, there is nothing else. I mean, obviously I had a family support system and all those things that you do need, like people that have put me in the place. But I'm talking about as an athlete, the work that it took, it took faith. It took long hours in the gym. And it really, a lot of tears, a lot of blood and a lot of sweat. I know it sounds cliche, but those are, there's no getting around those things. You can't get to the next level without those things. So I don't know, this holiday season, I think that we always, we, you know, Christmas is a holiday that, you know, is around the faith. If you, if you're a Christian, you believe that, you know, it's Jesus's birthday. There's a lot of religion that happens around the holidays, but also we need to have a lot of faith because right now there, are we in a recession? Are we heading to a recession? I know there's layoffs. I know people are trying to figure it out. There's inflation. There's a lot going on. There's wars. There's a lot going on right now. So this holiday season on our season finale, all I can say is just keep the faith. Like, it, keep the faith. Go into the new year, even if you aren't where you want to be, go into the new year with a mindset that you're going to get there. Because that's that's the only thing I did. That's how I got to the pros. That's how I got to UConn. I'm in West Virginia. I'm telling people that I want to make it to D1 and people are laughing. I just kept the faith, man. So this holiday season, Christmas is my favorite season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Like this is my favorite season. It's Sagittarius season. What up though? Big Sag season. Shouts to everybody's birthday. Shouts to everybody that hit me up on my birthday too, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And shouts to everybody that got a birthday this Sag season. Big Sag energy is what people been sending to me. I didn't even know that's what we that's what we did, but I'm sending it right back to y'all, man. So this holiday season and every season, man, keep the faith. You got this. And that leads me directly to Gotham Chopra, who is joining us to discuss his new book, Religion of Sports, Navigating the Trials of Life Through the Games We Love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Welcome to the show, Gotham. I'm hyped to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I didn't know it was like the last episode of the, the season. So, wow, even more so. Yeah, we're, we had to bring some big guns for the season finale. And that's you because I'm just like, when I think about it, I say this all the time to my to my wife and my family. Like, I sports-plain everything. Because when you're an athlete and you grew up in sports, every situation I encounter in life, I feel like I go back to a sports situation that I had and it helps me navigate whatever life situation I'm in. So can you just kind of like when I read your book title alone and it's on my Christmas reading list, but can you just tell me about like what you even mean when navigating the trials of life through the games we love? Oh, wow. Yeah. Look, I, I, I speak your language. So <laughs> I, I think that, you know, sports is not like religion. Sports is religion. And when you're a sports fan or you're an athlete, you know exactly what I mean. It's, you know, everything that we associate with institutional faith, you know, organized religion actually exists in sports. Um, the reason we put our children, you know, if you have them uh, in sports programs, it's not because we think they're going to become Steph Curry or, you know, Simone Biles or, or whatever. It's it's because of what are they going to learn from being a part of this community? You know, they're going to learn things about accountability. They're going to learn things like resilience, the best athletes on the planet, you know, the all time greatest hitters in baseball. They fail seven out of 10 times, right? Like they strike out or getting out or whatever. Um, you know, Michael Jordan has like a famous quote about like all the shots he missed and, you know, um, and, but what did the great ones do is they figure out a way to pick themselves up back up. You know, Tom Brady, his entire career defined himself as the 199th pick. You know, it's like the guy who got discounted. Um, Serena Williams, who I'm working with right now, says, oh, there were, you know, my superpowers, my ability to outwork people. It wasn't about my backhand or my serve or this or that. It was about, you know, the willingness to do the work. So there's just so many great lessons, which is kind of what religion is supposed to be about, you know. And, and so I'm a big believer in just the power and the wisdom of sports. And that's really like the substance of the book. I've had the incredible fortune of working with, you know, these incredible people like Simone and Serena and Tom and, you know, Steph Curry and LeBron James and stuff like that. Look, and I'm a kid who grew up in Boston, Massachusetts as, you know, just a, a diehard fan, like watching, you know, the big three way back, I mean, way back. That shows how old I am. Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and um, Robert Parrish and the great battles against the Lakers. I then got the incredible fortune of working with Kobe Bryant, you know, before he passed. And so I've just had this, you know, I'm, I'm still a kid. I'm still, I got my like Celtics, you know, um, you know, too bad last night what happened in the uh, in-season tournament. But, oh, yeah, you know, that was a tough one, the Indiana yeah. Pacers. Yeah, but I have faith. I have faith, you know, and so um, I'm a true believer. So we'll see. But, yeah, I look, this isn't like a book or a company or this is a this is a life. I mean, this is what I believe in. I love it. Um, you know, the thing I will say about the religion of sports is like it, it actually doesn't require just blind faith. It requires presence. Like you go to a game. I grew up a diehard Red Sox fan come from Boston. My entire childhood, they were cursed and they were terrible. <laughs> and they, you know, it was Bucky Dent way back. It was Mookie Wilson. It was Aaron Effing Boone. And then in 2004, an actual miracle happened. <laughs> and you didn't have to believe in it. You just had to witness it, you know? And so that's that's the religion of sports. And uh, yeah, I, I love talking about it. I love sharing it. I love, you know, communicating with other true believers, which I know you're one of them. So no question. I mean, like you literally like this is a real language. Now I'm like when you said you speak my language, it's this is a real language because everything you said, it was like it's like the back of my hand, like everything. There was nothing that you said that was like, oh, really? So I'm assuming that is the sports language and you've directed and produced numerous Emmy award winning documentaries, including In the Arena, Tom vs. Tom, Greatness Code, Kobe Bryant's Muse, amongst others. And I'm just curious, like your mindset when you approach these major projects, like what is the prep like for the interviews? Because you're sitting across from 
literally the greatest athletes of our time. Yeah, it's well, it's a lot of prep. And it's of course, it's not just me. I mean, I'm just sort of like in sports, I'm surrounded by, you know, Tom Brady's always said this to me. It's like, oh, you're the quarterback, you get all the credit. But it's like the offensive line. It's the special teams, the defensive line. It's you have to have great receivers, you know, your Edelman's and your Welkers and your Mosses and stuff like that. Otherwise, you're just a guy, you know, and so I am fortunately surrounded by great people. Yeah, but we and then again, like one of the things I said, this the consistent thing I always hear from, you know, these great athletes is, oh, I'll outwork anyone. That's my superpower. It's not just, you know, these gifts that I was born with. It's my, you know, just the repetition and the work and the showing up and putting in the hours. So, you know, that's something we come prepared you know we you know when you're sitting down with serena williams you're like we're working with her right now on a project that sort of recounts her 34 grand slam appearances over 20 plus years and you know you you got to know what's going on and then of course they're not just the appearances it's like everything that preceded them so it's that it's also just you know coming with some humility where you know like these are obviously incredibly accomplished people but it's also like you know almost coming as like a a peer you know and and i think it's like not coming as just you know like a um awe-inspired or or fan but really like you know we're, we're coming to sort of work with you i will say that like you know we're not here to do a you know documentary on you we're doing it with you this is filmmaking this is storytelling what is you know the story we want to construct together and um you know and i think they sort of get into it you know obviously we've had the fortune of um working with some of these you know legendary figures and you know i think they get to a certain stage of their careers and maybe even at the end of them where it's like now they want to help codify and make sense of it. You know, one of the things I've sort of observed with athletes is what makes so many of them great is their ability to just be present. Like they're in it and they're not thinking too much about like, you know, their past or their future. It's just like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm now I'm focused. And so afterwards you get to a point where they're like, can take a breath and now yeah. they're back. And I think we help facilitate that process. No, I could definitely see that because even when I retired, everybody started asking me quick questions about like, oh, what do you think about your career? And it's like, I have not even thought about it yet. If we're being honest, like when you're in the grind, you're in the grind and you work on documentaries where you shadow people behind the scenes. I read that you and your team followed Conor McGregor through three fights in 12 months in 2021. And we obviously see it in the documentaries, but what does it look like for you and your team to shadow a star? And do you like, in those moments, do you like know, wow, like this is, like in the moments, can you feel like kind of like athletes? Are you like in the moment, you know that this is one of those times and one of those moments? There are moments within, you know, when you do these things and, you know, we take our time and it's relationship building. So, you know, you have to build a relationship with the subject and actually the people around the subject and sort of earn that trust, earn that access. And then like, most things like filmmaking, like you shoot a lot of stuff, most of which, you know, doesn't make it in or isn't that interesting or whatever. But then there are moments and they're not just, they're not always the most dramatic moments. You know, I remember with Connor, like there was a moment early on because we were doing that in the middle of the pandemic and we were, you know, at Fight Island in the Middle East and he was training in Dubai and it would go really early to this gym that they had found. Um, and he would just like be by himself. And, you know, there was a moment where he was training um, and it was just such a different because it was there was so much, you know, for a guy who always has an entourage and it's like so bombastic and loud and UFC and all of that. There was this moment in this gym by himself at seven in the morning. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is amazing. Like this is that moment. And it was just kind of us, a very small team. And that's one of the things we try to do is keep it maintain that intimacy, not have like, these are not big commercial shoots with trailers and lights and, you know, all that stuff is really keep that intimacy. And so, yeah, there was a moment that it was like, oh, this is, this is going to be amazing, (laughs) you know? And um, again, you could just feel that presence um, that I think um, was pretty special. I love that. And so of the superstars that you've had the honor of interviewing and working with, 
what stories have impacted you the most? Like, is there any stories that like, or any documentaries that when you walked away from it, it almost even shifted your way of thinking? I mean, they all do in many ways. And I feel like I, I take, you know, I try to, I try to take something from each one of them. Like, again, that what can I learn from those? You know, I have a 16 year old son. So what can I communicate? What can I take from, you know, an experience with Connor or whatever and apply to him? And again, not because I think he's going to become some great fighter or, you know, Steph Curry's case, a great shooter or whatever. Um, it's like, what is the, the life lesson? But, you know, if you ask me, like, the ones that really stand out, I would say, you know, maybe Kobe Bryant's music goes way back, you know, because it was in a way the first time I had ever worked with somebody of that scale. And of course, I, despite the fact that I'm a diehard Celtics fan, I mean, maybe. <laughs> how does that work, Gotham? Like, <laughs> Well, that's exactly how it worked is like Kobe was, you know, as everybody who's been a fan of his knows, is combative. Like he's, he's combative with his own teammates, you know, like the stories I would hear about him and Shaquille O'Neal, like fist fighting in practice and then going on to win, you know, three championships together like that. So, you know, he and I got along precisely because the fact that I was a diehard Celtics fan and he was a Laker legend, but also a Laker fan before that. Um, but yeah, Kobe was just just a unique person and a unique artist, a unique athlete and all that stuff. And I think in some ways, because that was so intense, you know, it wasn't always great. It was intense. Um, it, but it gave me a lot of confidence. It gave me a lot of capital in the sense of like, you know, his reputation was what it was. So people were like, huh, you can work with Kobe and you could really create that. Then man, like you must have something. And so that was special. And then I'd say over time, you know, I've just, Tom Brady's become like, not just, you know, I've done multiple projects with him with our Tom versus time. And then this man in the arena, but um, he, you know, he's become like a close friend and, and somebody who I just feel like over time I've, I've been through so much with him on, you know, personally on my side, personally on his side, all that, all the stuff that happens outside of the documentaries. So, and I think he's just, he's one of the all time greats. I mean, when you say, you know, Michael Jordan and Muhammad Ali and, you know, like he's up there. I mean, he's greatest of all time. I think Serena is too, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like I have a special relationship with Tom. Um, and so, um, those are special projects also. I love it. And before we got on, you were saying how this book felt like a long time coming. And that's why I wanted to talk about the documentaries because you wrote the book and it's out now, you guys. This is actually release day when we're recording. So thank you, Gotham, for pulling up on release day. Again, the book is titled Religion of Sports, Navigating the Trials of Life Through the Games We Love. But I'm just curious, like all of those, is, is it taking all of those stories or is it taking, you know, your father was a spiritualist. Was it taking all of that and putting it into the book? Like what do you want people to even take away from the book? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's pretty much all of the above and it's sort of memory. Yeah, I didn't even, I buried the lead. So, you know, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts as the son of, you know, Deepak Chopra, who, you know, is, is someone who I guess, you know, has gained a lot of fame and notoriety in the sort of spiritual world. And and so I, you know, I grew up around that culture, I guess. And I started to realize like early on, oh, like I was a, I was a huge Celtics fan um, growing up in the 80s. And I was like, oh, like going to the Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden, watching, you know, Celtics Bulls. Michael Jordan was like a neophyte back at the time. I was there at the game when he scored 63 points in double overtime, what? you know, um, against the Celtics. And, you know, just like witnessing like these sort of mythical things that were happening. So a lot of what my father was talking about at the time I was I was experiencing in in sports so the book kind of recounts a little bit of the genesis of all, everything um, and just this whole idea that came together but then also like you know recounts a lot of these anecdotes and stories with um, you know these these people I've been able to work with and I think the final thing is like the takeaway like okay well great i mean great fun stories and behind the scenes and stuff like that but what can i take away from this what can i as a reader you know take away in terms of like what's the lesson i can incorporate into my own life and help me become the best version of myself and again not sports necessarily but as a as a parent as a you know somebody as an artist um you know what are the principles that I can draw from, you know, these people who are amongst the best ever at what they do 
and and help me. Love that. All right, listen, we have to work together at a certain point. When is the WNBA side on or something coming? Because it's been too long. We have to work on it. But you guys, listen, I thank you so much, Gotham, for joining me and talking to me. I was very excited. This is our season finale. And I thought, what better way? Because my life literally is religion of sports. Like, I feel like I grew up in the church as well. And I started playing ball at 10. So there's no other thing I knew than basketball and sports. And so if you guys haven't already, the book is out right now. Religion of Sports, Navigating the Trials of Life Through the Games We Love. Gotham, thank you so much for joining me. It is an honor. Likewise. I really appreciate it. Love being here. So now we're about to get it popping with the group discussion. We're doing a little MoCo newsroom. We're going to talk about a little bit of everything because this is the season finale, baby. Let's get it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. right now for our season finale our last one of the year of 2023 we're going to do a little moco newsroom and you see we came pretty festive this was not planned at all (laughs) so everybody just pulled up how we feeling crew it's the last one of the season i'm feeling like i want to put my hat on now with you and snook (laughs) hey babe there's a black santa's hat in the living room if you want to throw that one on oh okay hold on i'm about to hello all black everything it's our last one of the year, and it's the most wonderful time of the year, so we festive now. Yes, baby, come on with it. Now we here. <laughs> All right, so listen, we're going to just run down MoCo Newsroom of a lot of different things going on. And so when I say there's a lot going on, I already talked about it a little bit in the monologue, but there's sports, there's wars, which we're not going to talk about. There's inflation, there's layoffs, and then there's also the holiday season amongst all of that. So we're going to just get into it. Have you ever been catfished by a restaurant? Now, this is the thing. You might not know you have been because when I read this, I saw an interesting TikTok about a woman who went on a date with a person that she matched with on Tinder. But apparently she got to the restaurant, waited for the date, but the date never showed up because she was already there. She ate the meal and then she left. Now, this apparently is a growing trend of restaurant ghosting where restaurants will create Tinder and Bumble profiles, build relationships with people, and then ask them on a date only to ghost them with the goal of increasing their customer base. Now, most of the people don't even know that the restaurant was their date, and this could go in either direction, but like, what do we make of this story that restaurants are now having some of their employees create accounts on dating profiles and then setting up a date at the restaurant only to ghost the person, but then they ate at the restaurant, so now you got a new customer? Mm-mm, no. Call the police. Somebody, that's so, this has got to be illegal. Right. They should be sued for, for something. Right. That's got to be illegal. But you don't even know what happens, Cole. That's the thing. Like, you actually thought you got ghosted. Mm-mm. So now they out here creating <laughs> emotional terrorism. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like emotional distress. Yes. Don't people sue people for so that? So how do they figure this out? Because I want to know how someone figured out they were ghosted by the restaurant. Well, listen, I learned it on TikTok. And I'm going to also tell you what else I learned on TikTok that restaurants are doing. Because you got to remember now with DoorDash and all these different things, it's competitive out there. And I also saw on TikTok, a lady was breaking it down that restaurants create fake restaurants that but have the same kitchen. So you might be like, okay, I don't want to go to Applebee's. Some people are like, oh, I don't eat at Applebee's. So Applebee's will create a restaurant a restaurant that has the same exact address. So if you look at the address, they never can lie about the address. So the restaurant called like the Burger Den, 
They'll make up a, a restaurant called the Burger Den that only sells burgers, but it's just Applebee's burgers that's coming <gasps> from the Burger Den. So oh, this is something crazy. else that's happening on DoorDash, on all the other food sites. These restaurants are getting a little bit creative out that here. That definitely trying to get sounds cut. illegal. That's That has to be illegal. No way. <laughs> Mm-mm. I nope. think it's genius. Oh, look, Snook. <laughs> I mean, to Snook's point, it is a level of evil genius <laughs> in there because who said, I just don't have that type of criminal mindset to think, let's just make this the same restaurant, but call it something else and give them the same. I just wouldn't think, I wouldn't think to do that. Because first of all, what happens if somebody gets sick? Can they get, can't even go back to the burger den? They got, then they find out it's been Applebee's the whole She's time. She's saying, like, who's, who's going to be liable? Right. It has to be a location because if I get sick and I need to call the, the CDC because I found something in the food that can... They're going to be like, hello, Applebee's, may I... T- hello, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's who you're going to get a hold of. So it's not going to be the burger den. It's going to be Applebee's. So listen, I'm just... TikTok puts us on so much game, by Deadlines the way. Like calls for desperate measures. <laughs> you know what? That brings me to my next topic and to your point, Snook. Yes, because it is kind of desperate times out here. If we've been talking about it for months on months where a lot of the tech companies are laying off 10 to 20% of their companies. And then now we're seeing it happen in the entertainment industry. We all remember ESPN had massive layoffs. Some of the people front facing, usually when you see layoffs, It's not the talent that you see on screen, but even with ESPN, it was a lot of on-screen talent that got laid off, massive layoffs. And now Spotify, there's been a large noise cry about Spotify because they're laying off 17 more percent of their workforce. The music streaming giant Spotify has announced it's cutting 17 percent in a dramatic move aimed at cutting costs. The latest round of cuts is the third this year, which equates to about 1,000 500 jobs and it got the internet in a frenzy because Spotify is a unique company. They're people are upset they're not paying their artists. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're asking, where is the money going with Spotify that they had to lay off 1,500 jobs when the artists are already complaining that they're not getting the large cut? So it just adds on to again the ever-growing layoffs in on top of inflation. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Keep on loving this AI. Keep on loving this technology because that's what's doing it. Once the computers have figured out that they can do 1,000 of those people's jobs, there's no need to have somebody sitting behind the desk to do it. So keep on loving this technology. Keep on loving all these little easy <laughs> trends and stuff that an app for this and an app for that. And so they've apped us all out of jobs. That's, what, that's what's happening. <laughs> they've apped us out of jobs. It's hilarious. Literally, we just saw an episode of Black Mirror like that. They were creating like CGI shows that people just like license their images. I don't know. It's not a little bit too real. I'm like, this is exactly what people are afraid of with the CGI and AI. It's dangerous. It is. It is. Just think about if you could create, let's say I like an old show. Like, let's say I like the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Right. But the Golden Girls season was only so many seasons. What if, just think about the fact that if I could say, you know what, I want to extend the Golden Girls, uh, you know, into 2023. They can literally take them yeah. and put them in a new show with new episodes, up to date 2020, put people in it, put kids in it, mm-hmm. do all that. And the women are gone on the glory. And we would, you know, that's what's happening. <laughs> they have heavenly agents up and so Right. You know. I mean, like, yeah, y'all cutting the check. But this is honestly kind of what some of the strike was about. When you think about it, there was mm-hmm. a big stance on AI because they want you to almost give up like Serena just said it. Black Mirror had an episode that was just like that. What's the lady's name? Selma. Selma Hayek. Yes. The episode is she allows her agent to give her name, image, and likeness to a new show that they're going to create on Streamberry. This is a fake site. And so they used her name, image, and likeness, but she had no idea that she would be defecating in a church. And she had no idea <laughs> the things that her name, image, and Spoiler likeness alert. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is really an episode on Black Mirror, y'all. And it's now starting like Black Mirror shows start to get a little scary when mm-hmm. it's starting to imitate life in reality where you start to see that like, you know, there was a Swedish company 
that, you know, had 9,000 employees across 40 global and then they're slashing in half. And you start to see that these jobs really are. It's not a like we're not just watching shows like we're it's imitating life at this right, point. And it can be very, very bad, even in personal life. You know, like I said, uh, I like this guy and he's got a girlfriend. I'll just AI something to him, you know. Oh, wait a minute. Snooks and then AI. <laughs> if AI had been around when I was in college, I could see a whole lot of stuff that would have happened. I mean, and we true. just saw another show, too, called uh, Class of 09, that they were basically that all crime was being like assessed by this AI program and it labeled everybody. This is a spoiler alert if you haven't watched the show. It labeled everybody <laughs> as a criminal because it goes like, like a binary system or something. Yeah, and numbers, so algorithms. either you're a criminal or you're not a criminal. And so to make everybody equal, they they kind of put everybody guilty at first and you can just imagine the problems. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, really what we're talking about is, yes, it is detrimental to our economy, to our everyday lives. But then you got to think about these political leaders that we have and the, the CGI that could be put Scary. in place. There could be people who have gone. Some of these leaders could have been dead. They could be putting out. We could be putting out stuff for years. And these people, we never see them because, I mean, how many we do see some of the, um, the leaders. But just think about how many leaders we see on a daily basis. These people could be gone. There could be somebody else who is making all these decisions. We could be seeing videos and and stuff like that. And that man could be gone or that woman could be gone. And we would never even know. Social me- I mean, that's the scary terrifying. part about social media, because even if you're talking about a leader that lives in another country and he's doing a live stream, let's say I'm doing a live stream right now. Y'all don't know if I'm real or fake, honestly. Like right now, you really mm. don't even know. I could be sitting in this room <laughs> and it could be CGI. I could have already been like, yes, I'm one of these people that are testing out new products and I'm on vacation, honey. I mean, there's there's literally filters now that look like you're looking at the camera, but you could be looking at something else as all AI generated. That's literally you saw where they'd already put Diddy in prison dance with a dance group. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Listen, that's when I don't want the hologram in prison. We need to put the real humans. I don't want the real criminals running around in the country while they're a hologram or they're CGI's in prison now doing time. Now that's the thing. Well, who's to say they are in prison doing time? It could be a hologram that said they are in there and they're not. That could be anywhere. We better get the real folks. Oh, yeah. Not to get too advanced to where the criminals then figured out how to, like, (laughs) here's another spoiler alert. There's replicas. We watch all these wild shows, right? So I'm watching another one. (laughs) I'm watching another wild show. What's it called, babe? Where... No, it was it was Black Mirror. It oh, was just another episode. It's still Black Mirror where your replica is walking, breathing, living thing. It doesn't bleed blood, but it's made of different things. But while they were up in space, they sent their wife down a replica of them so that the wife oh, how didn't cool. absolutely how not. Cool. <laughs> absolutely oh, how not. Cool. How cool. Oh, how cool. So, so I'm on the road. Like for instance, if I'm an athlete and we go on a three week long road trip, well, I'm gonna send my replica here so Serena, somebody can help you at the house with Junior and everything like that. When I get back, you know my replica goes dormant and I come back or it's just you know, it's, just what just think about what implications that has like I said you know you could create me and I could be around long after I'm gone that's not nice. that's us. creepy that's creepy I that's mean, just... we want you here forever Snook, but we do <laughs> want you here forever but I start feeling I start getting a pet cemetery feel with yes. stuff like that now I, I don't like that now people have a holiday uh show list so you guys can watch class of 09 and black mirror if you haven't caught please. it it's really good please do. these shows is wild but I mean they're wild but I feel like they're just be careful now I feel like they mm-hmm. Telling a lot of stuff. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (laughs) 
And some good news, though, because a lot of these statistics that we're throwing out aren't great, but this one really is. So there was a new study conducted by the collective at Wasserman, developed in partnership with ESPN Research, and it's revealed that women's sports now receive 15% of total sports media coverage. Now, anybody that follows along, they know that the last time this was measured, women's sports was found to receive just under 4% of media coverage. That's good. Progress. Progress is a beautiful thing. And so I think that the interesting part, though, that I saw from the study was that the growth in women's sports isn't with traditional media. So in the traditional media, like cable and different things of that nature, that's actually not where the growth has happened. It's growing in the new media that's coming on. Social media is now being measured in the amount of tweets, amount of conversations, streaming platforms. So basically, it's interesting to me that in the sports world of the traditional sports world, it seems that there's still a little bit of a barrier for women to break into some of those traditional holes. Right. But the new age or new companies seem to be more open. So what are your thoughts on, you know, now we got 15 percent of the real estate? Hmm. I have thoughts on theories. <laughs> I think the men always hog the TV when it comes down to sports and ESPN and things like that. I will say that my dad always hogs the TV. Angel always hogs the TV. It's the remote, Sam. It's the remote. The yes. The remote. <laughs> yes. So guys need to start watching more women's sports so we can watch it on the TV. And I do think that, I don't know, maybe women, we just consume more media on our phones or something. I kind of feel like she does, but I feel like they basically said, give them something else other than a TV. I feel like they said, y'all keep coming for this airtime on this cable, on this uh, Amazon. I feel like they're just, you know, they said, well, if they get another avenue, maybe they won't be so big on taking up this much time on the regular. So I feel like it's almost like, you know, the art of misdirection. It's like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. take their focus off of this so that you can continue doing what you want to do. And so, I mean, good. it's good because, you know, we weren't getting anything at all. So I'll take the progress regardless of where it comes from, you know, and maybe we blow up that side and they have to give us more on this side. But I just feel like somebody out there was like, just give them something shiny to follow. And, you know, I mean, I feel hmm. like these are different brains, though. You got to remember, and I say this all the time, like a lot of people have asked, like, when do you think the NFL is going to change? And it's like I keep on telling people that the NFL isn't going to change until the people behind it. Like, do you think the Dallas Cowboys led by Jerry Jones are just going to automatically just change the way they think, function and move? Hmm. How would that ever happen with Jerry Jones still as, you know, that's my Diddy's team too, by the way. (laughs) That's my Diddy's team. But whenever we're talking about change, like I can't emphasize enough if the people that are still doing the current programming are still running the same things, do y'all think that Jerry Jones is going to change? Like, I mean, like, be for real. Like, I just, he's going to run the Cowboys the way he runs the Cowboys. That's true. It don't matter if it's 2023. It don't matter if it's 2024. It doesn't matter how times have changed. I Those people are still going to be the same people that have the same thought process. And you know what? They might, look at it, <laughs> they might look at it as in, look, I've been successful all the way up to here. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So a lot, of, t- a lot of times, <laughs> coal is cracking me up. So a lot of times when I think about like traditional TV or traditional media, Nothing is really going to change until the people that are sitting in those positions change it. This is not a call to action. Just so people are, this is not me saying, get rid of all those people sitting in the seats. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that you could, I can understand how this study makes sense. If you have somebody that's new, that's starting something new, like for instance, Thursday night football on Amazon prime is new. It hasn't been work. It hasn't been done a certain way for a long time. So that's new. So I could see them coming in with new concepts, new ideas. Ooh, more women on the block. I could see that happening because it's new. I can't see the Dallas Cowboys all of a sudden next year being a completely different franchise in how they think, move, and act. It's just I don't see it. So apply that same Jerry Jones Cowboys concept to any traditional media of anyone that's been sitting in their position for a long time. Some of these people that have been sitting with these companies 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, before we were even born, these people were already in those positions. 
they're not, this is like they say, the leopard's not going to change his stripe. What is it? What's that saying? A spot. Yeah. <laughs> a leopard is not going to change his spots. So it's like, I can see how the new media now is coming in like, yo, what up with these ladies, though? And we saw that huge because who would have ever thought, I would have never thought, even growing up, that there would ever be a football game on Black Friday. Wow. Like, that's crazy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. because, like you said, traditionally, the people who are in charge of TV sit. There's no way. They, now they shot it. Probably, I'm pretty sure some young person was like, well, why don't you just do it on Friday? Like, why do we have to try yep. to like put all these people in? And da, da, da. So they was like, why don't you do it on Friday? Great and they probably point. were like, that's not how we do it around here. We do boom, boom, <laughs> boom, A, B, C. So mm-hmm. then Amazon said, well, we're up to grab as many people as we can. We'll put you on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so whatever days I'm you so want to be on there. That up, Cole, because thinking <laughs> yes. outside the box is not traditional. Like yeah. I think Serena's superpower, we have Think Tank Productions, is she thinks so far out of the box. Sometimes it makes me like, whoa, what in the world did she just say? Like it's like, and then I start to think about it, and I'm like, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like I think outside of the box, but I feel like a lot of it is common sense too. Like for example, like with the theory of, you know, the men or, or people always taking over the remote, but also a lot of women's sports aren't shown on TV. It's so difficult to find a women's game, you know, whatever sport it is. So sometimes we do have to find that on Twitter or on another streaming platform or something like that. So I feel like the common sense mentality is why don't they just air more women's games on actual broadcast television? be so simple (laughs) yes and that's why I want to go back to that Friday though Amazon Prime game because there's so many things about that game that show how if you think outside the box so for instance there's some rules in place you may not know that but there's actual laws in place that the NFL can't play games after 6 p.m on Friday they can't play games on Saturday because those days are reserved for high school football and college football they're already thinking about the products below them in a sense of the progression getting to the NFL to where there's actual laws so what does Amazon do most people to Cole's point there's no games on Friday because we can't do it past six Amazon Prime starts their game at 3 p.m. The reason they do that is because it's Black Friday. They don't want people out in the store shopping. They want them inside watching the game. So they paid $100 million to have a Black Friday game every a year. A day's worth of profit. And A day's not- <laughs> worth of profit. And you know what? And let me just let you, and let, to piggyback on top of that, saying that they want people in on Black Friday because ain't nobody shopping on the, in the stores. Everybody's yeah. on Amazon. So that's you're already at home. You're already at home. Well, that was very smart. <laughs> that is their whole idea. And that's what I mean by that's very non-traditional. We know NFL to be what days? Sunday all day, Monday night football, and Thursday night football. That's what we know of the NFL. That's what, what I mean by traditional. And then you got a new media coming in, non-traditional. So I love it. I hope that all these new media groups and all these new opportunities, I love that they see women's sports as an opportunity because it you know the numbers are out we don't have to say it anymore like i get tired of even saying it everybody knows the trajectory is up the numbers are up so i love that new media is getting creative with how they're showcasing women's sports we love to see it so i'm going to say i was black friday i watched the game you know like the, it worked i was watching <laughs> the nfl game on black friday in the house honey my, my not family that I, too. Was gonna, I wasn't going to leave the house anyway i don't shop yeah, i saw what you were shopping too during that game i did <laughs> purchases i started to feel like the commercials was tailored directly to me i don't know (laughs) they said something about that so i gotta see what all this ai stuff i felt like they was like renee i know this was in your cart girl we just marked it down 21 percent i'm like 21 percent my number like i'm just saying like i felt like some things was happening on that broadcast so y'all think i'm crazy but there's they can do these things i'm trying to tell y'all they can do some things so but i digress that's all i'm i'm into tech i'm not necessarily into ai because i do think that like ai is somebody needs to be regulating what's going on i'm on twitter and i can't believe what i see because not because i can't believe it because i literally don't know if it's real or not because y'all are so good with these deep fakes y'all are so good with this fake content that it's like 
we gotta have some type of regulations because I just don't know what I'm watching anymore. We don't have verified accounts to tell me if it oh, is who I so think sad. it is. So and now, even even now, the the traditional media outlets are using. I mean, you, we heard of, of Sports Illustrated. What yes. happened with them? Yeah. So Sports Illustrated. I'm glad you brought that out, up, babe. Sports Illustrated went viral in the wrong way because. People found out that they were using AI to write articles. And and of course, there's this moral dilemma of you're laying people off and you're using AI to write articles. You know, there's just there's outrage going on about AI. So. Which they still denying, by the way. Yes. Yeah, so allegedly, let me make sure I throw in the word allegedly, yes. because y'all out here suing podcasts and stuff. So <laughs> we, we ain't got time or money. So allegedly, that's what's going on. So I'm telling y'all right now. You know how they used to say, don't believe everything you hear? Well, you don't believe everything you see now, baby. I'm telling you. Right well, yeah. And Renee, I, we, I've been sitting there. I'm like, Renee, and Renee be like, oh, Cole, that's fake. I'm like, what? How is that yeah. fake? I mean, literally, watch this. I'm like, watch this. And she's like, oh, oh, Cole, that's fake. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. And she's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they came out and said that was fake. And I'm like, well, then we can't believe nothing we see or nothing. I mean, it's like it's because dangerous. they are actually putting people's faces in places and pretty soon your <laughs> DNA going to be there, too. They're like, oh, no, we could prove it was there. And ha- I mean, it's just it's terrifying. It, it's it's like, you know, it's really it's really, really, really scary as far as what they're able to do. I said. I remember the movies where they used to make people and say, oh, he was there and they would use their DNA. They're like, how'd they use their DNA? Yeah. And they, they had cameras and they would, you know, the camera would show the person's face turned around in a store and they're like, I wasn't there. And now it's like it's becoming a reality. We can really that can yeah. really be a thing like it's scary. really crazy. I'm telling you right now, I'm scared. Like, I really am scared of all of that. And I'm also intrigued. Like, I'm the worst type where I'm so <laughs> in the tech. That's why I, that's why we watch all like all these shows. Like I watch. It's like I want to know what's happening. It's like I don't want to be a part of, of it. it. I don't want I don't want it to happen. <laughs> but boy, do I want to see it and watch it and know everything that could happen. Last thing I just we just heard from Gotham Chopra and he talked about he has the company called religion and sports. And he talked about how sports is almost is very similar to religion. And when I thought about it, I was like, boy, he preaching. I am the choir and he is preaching to me because I thought about it. And when you think about sports, y'all should know like sports is something that you have to have a lot of faith in, right? Like I'm working out every day with the hope and we know what, what's faith mean again. You know, everybody knows the faith is the absence of, um, Oh wow, Fell. Diddy, Diddy, you are fired. Look, I can't believe you don't know what is faith. Faith is believing in things that you can't ah, see. Wrong. It's a specific thing. What is faith? We say it in church all the time. It's a specific way we say it. It's the substance of things hoped for, the the, the evidence of things not seen. Boom! There you go. I, <laughs> oh, I thought you. I was okay. I know. I knew it. I was like, I, was I don't like, know yeah, what how she actually define it. That's what we say in church. Okay. It's like that's what we, we all say in church. Literally okay. the same okay. way, right? Yes. So how do athletes like how athletes are the most faithful humans in the world? Like think about this. Like when I was in West Virginia, I talked about a little bit in the monologue, but think about when I'm dribbling outside of West Virginia. Like I literally in my mind had the utmost faith that I'm about to get some places by doing this. Like, and he talked about how like he applied all the same things from things he knew about faith. And into his actual sports world. And he created the production company Religion of Sports, who he has. He created alongside Michael Strahan and Tom Brady. And then now he's worked with Simone Biles, Serena Williams, Kobe Bryant. He's worked with everyone under the sun. And he's not even an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. But he he grew up lo- uh, loving sports. Now, I really like what he said, too, about how you don't even have to believe in what you're seeing but you're witnessing a miracle he's like i got to witness the you know something divine when i watch michael jordan uh play and stuff and i don't even have to really even believe in the sport i'm witnessing it so is you're just you're just witnessing a miracle basically and that is religion and that's how he equates it as as being like and even when he says uh, uh taking a pilgrimage like you we do take pilgrimages is that how do you say pilgrimages to uh to different <laughs> different sporting events we drive hours we we take long flights to go to these things so i I think it definitely is a religion it's crazy like it's crazy when you really like break things down because i told him like i sports blame life it's like it's it's a curse for an athlete i know serena hates it because it's like (laughs) everything that happens in life i feel like sports has already i went through that test in sports 
And so I know how to pass that test in life. It's like there's nothing that can happen in life. In sports, we have 30 seconds to figure out all of our problems and try to win the game as a collective group. Now, I know when y'all work with groups in your workplace or anywhere else, it's not the easiest thing to work in a group. Athletes have to excel at it. And while fans are yelling at them, cussing them out, throwing stuff at you. Oh, by the way, there's opponents that are trying to stop you from being successful. That doesn't even usually happen in the office. So I tell people all the time when we have a problem, like or we have a problem in business. I'm like, OK, how long do we have? They'd be like, we have three days. And I'm like, three days. <laughs> like, we can solve the world problems in three days. I usually only have 10 seconds. I usually only have the ref is about to hand the person the ball for the free throw. And I got to tell, hey, uh. I'm going to get you a shot next time. Just keep posting up hard. I got you. You got to run back on defense. Hey, listen, when they press up on me like that, we got to tell everything in 10 seconds in sports. So when I think about problems in the world world, I'm like, come on, baby. We got 72 hours? You mean I can think on this and sleep on this? You mean? So that's why when we like athletes, if you see athletes so calm in our everyday lives and you be like, oh, nothing really bothers them. Of course not. Of course not, because we have religion of sports behind us where (laughs) we've been tested. We've had our trials and tribulations, and this is our testimony. All right, I'm done, y'all. Okay, (laughs) I'm done. I digress. But I just thought that my family, we grew up in the pews, so I knew that y'all would understand the connection between having faith taking pilgrimages to long AAU trips in the car. In the van. In the van, yes. With the faith and hope that something good was going to happen. And I can tell you right now, I done been to plenty of tournaments where it did not end well. And guess what what we did? We took our next pilgrimage to the next tournament and the next one and the next one after that because that's what faith is, y'all. Anything else y'all got before we end this? This is our season finale. Oh, good. It's been a good year. I still got to find out about these restaurants, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Man, no, but we appreciate you guys, man. Every year we come and y'all basically get to see us have family time. Y'all are part of our family. We have family discussions, which we call group discussions, but we're going to be back next year with more energy Hopefully less AI, but I, you know, I can't call it. But Happy New Year, everybody. We love you guys. And you already know it's a generational thing here with us. Happy anniversary. I mean, anniversary. Happy holidays. (laughs) Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, y'all. So that's all we have for this season finale, y'all, man. I just want to thank you again. Y'all been rocking with us. Y'all are engaged. I appreciate that because we, I know there's a hundred thousand podcasts. There's a hundred thousand things that you could be doing other than listening to me right now. So I appreciate you. I mean, it's hard. Like there's so much media. There's so much content. Every time you look up, there's a new show starting and good for them. Everybody has a perspective. So I'm not mad at everybody wanting to give theirs on a show and have their own show. So I appreciate you taking time out of your 24 hour day to rock with us. You know, we always talk about it's a generational thing. I think optimism is a generational thing. I think faith is a generational thing, because what if we just started to think, I want to pass on optimism to my next generation. I want to pass on faith to my next generation, my kids, the grandkids, even just if you don't even got kids, if you auntie, you know, what I mean, because I'm auntie of the year 10 time, baby. Even to your nephews, your niece, anybody that you come across, like, let's just start passing along some vibes because we know that there's negative energy that flows fast. We know negativity is going to flow quick, boy. So we got to do a little something to counter that. I mean, that's just my thought process, because I think a lot of times people, too, I mean... I come across as like, you know, everything's good, but it's hard. Like being a five, six athlete was not easy, but every day at practice, I come, I come there happy and good spirits and knowing what I'm supposed to be doing and ready to work. I do the same when it comes to business. I'm a black woman that's in the broadcast industry, that's in the production industry, in the entertainment industry. If you look at the statistics, y'all know it ain't easy around here. But we still got to smile. We're going to keep the faith. We're going to be optimistic. I always joke about toxic positivity. And that's why I really believe that you are what you think. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you are right, my friend. So you better talk nice to you. 
That's why I talk nice to me. I always joke about that toxic positivity because I truly believe that you can speak your life into existence. You got to work too, though, but you can speak your life into existence. And like I said, there's enough negativity going around. There's a lot going on. We might be in a recession heading towards it. There's inflation. There's wars, multiple wars. There's a lot going on. So you just got to keep the faith. And like I said, like passing on faith, it's a generational thing. Passing on optimism, it's a generational thing, man. So let's just pass it along. Even just the people around you, pass it along. I know, I know, I know. It's like, here I am, like always trying to be like that. I just feel like everybody needs a little positivity. And right now, I even heard about seasonal depression right now in the wintertime. People are suffering from seasonal depression. There's a lot going on. So if you have an opportunity to try to shift your thought process heading into the new year to where, all right, I mean, I may be in this circumstance right now, but I ain't going to be there next year. Or you might even like where you're at right now and want to turn up next year, man. Just think about it. Speak to yourself. Talk to yourself nice because it matters. All right. So we'll see y'all next year in 2024 where it's still a generational thing there. But keep the faith, man. That's all I can say. Keep the faith. You got this. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.